Hey, so today we are back for part two of our series on burnout with Rachel Rausch. And you know, last time we talked, we talked a lot about the negatives, the signs, the symptoms of what burnout looks like, what high cortisol looks like, and why, you know, why it's difficult, why it's why it gives us problems. Today we're going to talk about practical ways to bring cortisol levels down, to bring to prevent burnout, to deal with the stress that we deal with every day. So I think you're going to find a lot of practical things in here, ways that you can actually deal with this stuff on your own. So let's get started. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. It's good to be back again. In case people didn't hear last episode, quick tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am board certified as a doctor of naturopathy. I have been working in the natural health field for over 25 years and consulting with women for a good number of those. And I have found with many of my clients that a lot of their root issues come down to stress and cortisol and burnout. And I can personally Mm -hmm. understand that because I have a a strong type A Enneagram one personality that's always busy. And so I have to constantly be aware of the effects of burnout and stress in my own life. That is what we were talking about last time. We were talking about what cortisol was, what burnout was, pretty relatable things that we've all experienced. But today we're going to start talking about some some answers to these problems. So first, maybe refresh our memory on what cortisol is. Sure. So cortisol is an important hormone that helps us to deal with like a crisis or Mm -hmm. some really stressful event. But today our entire lifestyle is like a series of mini crises that Mm -hmm. keep our adrenal glands constantly producing too much cortisol. And then this creates all kinds of problems with our hormones, with blood sugar, with sleep, weight gain, feeling really tired, but unable to relax and calm down. Those would be some of the primary effects of too much cortisol. Mm -hmm. And we, we all experienced them. (laughs) Yeah. So how, how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we decrease cortisol if it's elevated? How do we, what do we do with it? So when our cortisol is elevated, there are actually a number of things that we can do. We can start with our, with our lifestyle. And last time we had talked a little bit how things like caffeine and sugar increase our cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I'm going to recommend is that people get off of caffeine. And that is a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I share that with my clients, they always cringe And I cringe (laughs) along with them because I know what I'm asking, but Mm. caffeine, it, it's kind of like 
whipping an exhausted horse. You can only force a horse to run so hard and for so long, and then it's just done. You can't force it to do anymore. And caffeine is a little bit the same way. It's forcing our adrenals to continue to put out cortisol, but but there just isn't the reserve of cortisol left. And we're contributing to the exhaustion and the effects of the cortisol with the caffeine. So initially, it's really hard whenever, whenever somebody goes off of the caffeine, and I will often encourage them to do it gradually over a couple of weeks' time to minimize the headaches and other things. But, but that caffeine is one of the worst enemies for the adrenals and cortisol levels. And then focus. Okay, so, so far I'm good. I'm good with this. Okay, good. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I hate the taste of it. So, so, so far you still got thumbs up for me. Yeah, well, but... <laughs> I like the taste of coffee, but I don't like the way I feel on the coffee. Yeah. So that keeps me away from it most of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, also focusing on a high protein, high fat diet, like we talked about last time, sugar increases cortisol, Mm -hmm. but fat helps us to make some of the other hormones needed to offset the cortisol in our body. And protein helps us make some of the neurotransmitters that our brain needs to offset that cortisol. So... Eating low sugar, high protein, high fat. So what's high fat without sugar? (laughs) Maybe that's a stupid question. (laughs) No, it's a good question. I I when when you say high fat, I'm like cheesecakes. Yes, I'm all in. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's what you mean. (laughs) No, what I was envisioning more of is things like avocados and coconut oil and (laughs) walnuts and Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well I'm uh, your thumb nah. Anyways, I'll still give you a thumbs up. (laughs) But yes, that makes more sense. Yes, very important. We we need fat to make to make our hormones to to have healthy cells. Mm -hmm. So, but we need to have good fats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then protein, that's pretty obvious. Meats. Right. Eggs, nuts, dairy, I would say high quality dairy can fall into the category of both fat and protein. Not everybody handles dairy real well. So it's one of those things where it depends on the individual. Okay. You know, with that one. Mm-hmm. And and I do realize there's a lot of controversy around, you know, dairy products and that's that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, so caffeine and then diet. Right. And then exercise. So okay. exercise is really critical because it helps to burn off excess cortisol. So if we need to lower cortisol, mm-hmm. a, a really solid exercise regimen can be really helpful in this situation. Now, what I notice with people, though, is everybody responds to exercise a little different. Some people, they need to do something really aggressive. They need to go out and run hard or you know, do something that just 
has them sweating and out of breath, you know, and they feel better. They, they feel calmer. They feel more relaxed afterwards. And for others, they have pushed themselves so hard that that strenuous of exercise just exhausts them further. And for those people, I send them out and say, just go take a 15 minute walk. Notice the, the, the birds that are singing, the, the shape of the clouds overhead, the, the feel of the pavement under your feet, the wind, the, the mm -hmm. smells in the air, whatever it is, but just enjoy the walk. And, and that 15 minutes of walking can help to lower the cortisol in those types of situations. So I encourage people to, to notice the way they feel after they exercise. If they feel good, they should be tired. You know, obviously, you know, hopefully they, they push themselves a little bit. So they should be tired. But if they are exhausted, like they just need to lay down, take a nap, or they don't have any more energy for the rest of the day, then they are pushing too hard and they're going to do more harm than good. And they need to back off a little bit. But if they come in and they feel tired, but they take a shower and they're refreshed and they're ready to go, then perfect. That's exactly what their body's needing to deal with the cortisol. So it's very individualistic. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because sometimes I look at other people, I'm like, how can they do that or whatever? And you know, you get to comparing and you're like, I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much or whatever. So I love how you said, like how you described that as a individualized thing. Yes. One size does not fit all when it comes to exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's excellent to know. Well. And then I think just establishing rhythms of rest, you know, not just physically, like we're talking about, but also emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Being able to set up those boundaries and um, creating an ebb and flow of that rest as, as really God created us to be. Mm -hmm. and, and then also there are some some different herbs, supplements that can be helpful too when, when the cortisol levels are really, really elevated. There, there are definitely some different nutrients that can help. There's a class of herbs called adaptogens. And okay. I love adaptogens. Basically, as the name implies, they help your body adapt to whatever the stressor is. Hmm. Um, which is, which is really important because some stress we can't avoid, yeah. you know, it's, it's the world, it's the life that we live and, and while it's we, the kids that we have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, circumstances happen yeah. and we can't avoid it. So when we can't avoid it, like, what do we do? How do we, how do we help with that? And hmm. And that's where adaptogens come in because they help our body adapt to the stress. Okay. So should, should you, is it helpful to 
be taking some of these herbs, these adaptogens without changing our lifestyle at all? Or do you suggest you need to start your lifestyle changes first and then use the herbs as like a preventative or as a maintenance or as a, I don't know if that question makes sense. Yeah, it's a good question. And and there's a couple of answers I would have to that. First of all, okay. changing your lifestyle is definitely the cheapest method yeah. to dealing with cortisol. It doesn't cost you anything to go outside mm-hmm. and exercise. Mm-hmm. But it does cost you something to invest in a bottle of a quality adaptogenic herb. On the flip side of that, though, when I work with clients that are dealing with adrenal issues and cortisol issues, I find that those that put as much effort into their lifestyle as they do taking adaptogens or other supplements Mm -hmm. will experience about double the rate of progress as somebody that only does the supplements or only does the lifestyle. Okay. Wow, that's good to know. Yeah, so they, they definitely have their place. And there's there's some there's a whole what I want to say. The the class of adaptogens is large. There's a number of herbs that falls into this category. But there's a couple that I find myself defaulting to quite a bit. One of them is an herb called ashwagandha. And I really like ashwagandha because it also supports the thyroid. And when, when the adrenal glands are exhausted from putting out so much cortisol, it will impact the thyroid. And the, the thyroid function will begin to fall. And so the ashwagandha provides some extra support for the thyroid as well as the adrenal glands and the cortisol levels. Hmm. So that's... You might have to spell that so that we can all Google that later. Okay. Yeah, sure. So (laughs) um, A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N-D-H-A. Ashwagandha. Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, wow. it's important okay. to choose a good quality ashwagandha product. Mm-hmm. A lot of your herbs and particularly your adaptogens come from other countries in the world. Okay. And so you want to make sure that you're choosing a brand or a company that is going to be reliable and providing a quality product. Okay. And... And another adaptogenic herb that is a favorite of mine is one called Eleuthero. Okay. And Eleuthero grows wild in Siberia, so like northern Russia. And we're talking about a very desolate region, a very um, cold area that is, you just have to be really hardy to survive that area, Hmm. human or plant. You have to be really hardy because it's just yeah. not very friendly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so Eleuthera grows wild there. 
and is a very hardy plant. And, and it probably became the most popular back during like the 1950s, 1960s, during the, the time of the space race between the U.S. and Russia. So the U.S. is, is sending all of their astronauts up into space with the space exploration. Mm -hmm. And when they would return to the U.S., you know, they would land off of the coast of Florida and then they would rush these astronauts into isolation because they would go through something called space sickness, which is basically the body trying to readapt to gravity. So Mm -hmm. in space, of course, there's no gravity. When they came back to Earth and the body had to readapt, they would become very sick. And so they would have to spend a period of days and time in isolation after returning to Earth. But at the same time, Russia is sending these cosmonauts into space. They're doing their exploration. They're coming back to the Earth. And they're getting, they're, they're touching down. They're getting out of their space capsule. And then they're parading through the streets. They're not sick. They're all celebrating. Mm. And the American scientists stood back and said, how, how can this be? You know, mm-hmm. our people go to the same place and the Russians mm-hmm. are, are obviously not sick. They're celebrating and ours are in isolation because they're mm-hmm. so sick. Mm-hmm. And what the, what the American scientists came to find out is that the Russian cosmonauts were taking a Luthro and it's an adaptogen. So it helped their body adapt to the lack of gravity and then wow. the return to gravity. And they weren't near as wow. sick. Wow. And I think that just really speaks to the, to the power of a simple herb like a Luthro that just mm-hmm. helps our body adapt to our environment and our circumstances. So I really like to recommend a Luthro as well. And that has a funny spelling as well. Yeah, so maybe I, you should spell that one. <laughs> E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O. Okay. Eleuthero. Okay. So that's a fun one too. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more, it's not an herb, it's not an adaptogen, but it's something called phosphatidylserine. My favorite source of it comes from um, sunflower seeds. But it also has been shown to help lower cortisol. So it doesn't help your body adapt as much as it actually helps to lower the cortisol, the excess okay. cortisol. And, and so both are important. It's, it's good to help the body adapt because if you can help the body adapt, you can help the adrenals adapt, hopefully they won't feel the need to put out so much cortisol under a stressful situation. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you need to do something to help lower the cortisol that's already in the body. And that's where phosphatidylserine comes in. Okay. So if, is there, um, is there a danger of having not enough cortisol? Yes. So that's, that's a really interesting question. Or maybe we're talking about that. Maybe we're talking about that in episode three. And you know what? I don't think so. I 
low cortisol is as much of an issue as elevated cortisol. Okay. It's just that in our world and lifestyle today, yeah. I feel like more people are dealing with elevated cortisol rather than low cortisol. But what happens is if there is extended chronic ongoing stress and your body is constantly putting out cortisol, eventually it runs out. The adrenals, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we can continue to try to whip the exhausted horse to keep running, but, but there's just nothing left. And so the adrenals are like, I'm done. I'm not putting out any more cortisol because I don't have any more to give. Yeah. And then that creates a cascade of another entire set of symptoms. Some that are similar, some that are just much more pronounced. So yes, if, if somebody is dealing with low cortisol and they take phosphatidylserine, they're going to feel worse. If somebody is dealing with low cortisol and they take an adaptogen, it will still help. Okay. Makes sense. So yes, low cortisol is an issue and I would generally help people recognize the difference through salivary um, cortisol testing if there's a question. But for a lot of people, it starts with elevated cortisol first. So that's what I typically default too, whenever I'm talking about yes. cortisol. Yes. And like you said, I mean, all the descriptions that we've had of what high cortisol looks like, <laughs> that's more what we deal with. You know, those are the, we're surrounded by stress without margins. Right, right. The low cortisol typically comes when there is just, there's that prolonged stress and no relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like a crash. Exactly. Okay. Excellent. Well, I think we are out of time for today. Um, we'll be back for part three, where we're going to learn how rest plays into this and hear a story about someone in the Bible who had burnout and, you know, how Rachel can help us with all this stuff. So join us next time. This episode has been produced in collaboration with Jersey Limited Media. The theme music is by Scott Holmes and has been adapted for use herein under Creative Commons license. If you haven't already, go subscribe to the Learning Little Lessons podcast so that you get updates weekly. Or visit my website at learninglittlelessons.com for freebies, newsletters, and encouraging blog posts.